This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. How are we? Oh, oh goodness. I thought I'd switch it up from how are you to how are we? Well, that's pressure because i don't want to you know presume to answer for you yeah fair enough that is an unfair question Uh, well i I would say for myself all things considered i'm doing pretty well this week (laughs) uh i really like all things considered uh i've seen people making lots of different fun jokes about i'm you know this point in time fine or you know (laughs) i'm fine for you know the stuff uh, or all that. I, I really like all things considered. I'm all things considered fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very public radio way to answer how are you or how are we, which I understand. That mm-hmm. is that was a lot to put on you. But I mean, I can do my do my best, but we, it isn't like this is something we've pre-talked about of how are we both doing. So I, I'm just like, you're doing fine. Let me tell you. You know, I would honestly <laughs> be a little happy to just be told how I am. Okay. How do you feel about all things considered fine? I feel fine about it. Okay. I mean, I think it's a good thing to be. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I yeah. say that's how we are. All right. That's how we are. That's our podcast. Uh, no, we have a good obsession to talk about. You have been uh, providing some of your own obsessions that we have not covered yet. We talked last week about shoes. Mm-hmm. And this week, we are going to talk about maps, which I'm very excited about. I think I did a maps and infographics episode many years ago. But I'm really excited to dive into maps for you because I know some of it, but honestly, some of it, some of the depths of your interest in maps and does it extend to this and does it not extend to this and why that stuff I don't know. So I'm excited to find out. So I just want to start with a big picture of why you think you're obsessed with maps. Is it the literal meaning? Is it the visual style? Is it that it's a tool of efficiency, that they can be artifacts of history all of the above, none of the above. Where does your mind go first with why you like them? Ooh, I would say most of the above. My mind goes first to um, adventure and exploration. Okay. Is I think where a lot of, both when I think kind of in the past when I thought about maps or when I think about right now, like I'm going to look at a map. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's To me, it's a spirit of, I want to discover something or I want to figure out how to get somewhere or I want to think about going somewhere I can't go right now, um, even without the pandemic, you know. And so I think it's to me. Yeah, I think adventure and exploration. Okay, wow. That's really, really great. A lot of the other things we will we will touch on because they all fold in there. But that yes, that makes a lot of sense because a, a map is just. Uh, basically a a kind of an advertisement for travel (laughs) (laughs) right even if it's a map of your own neighborhood yeah Mm -hmm. that makes a ton of sense so as we always do we will uh, travel back to the beginnings do you have memories of when you first uh, sparked to a map that you first looked at it and went "Ooh, i could go to there i i don't i was trying to think about this um in particular to just kind of be like, well, what are some of my earliest map memories? And I really can't put my finger on what the earliest ones are. I have various memories of different things that kind of caught my attention in kind of late elementary school, middle school, but I think that it was already there before that, but I don't have a real defining crystallized like 
That is when I first understood what a map was. But I feel like I just enjoyed looking at at them as pictures and kind of seeing like, oh, this is maybe where we're going and how we're going. And, you know, those were the days when to drive somewhere you needed, if you didn't know where you're going, you need like those big fold out maps, which yeah. were to me fun because I was a kid and not the one driving (laughs) and you know fun to kind of try to find your way um where you are oh what's that little thing you're gonna pass what's you know like there's so many stories on a map and I think to me it was kind of like another version of a storybook oh wow okay yeah so it was a storybook that you were literally driving through Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a ton of sense were you around globes in school or at home did you like globes and did those you know cause the same kind of excitement yeah although i hadn't thought about it until right now when you ask good question Uh, (laughs) thank you (laughs) um yeah we had a globe that i loved looking at um and just kind of like spinning and seeing oh what what are other countries and you know one of the interesting things i find now as an adult and is how much things change yeah you know especially country names um because i don't know when our globe was from but it isn't you know like a globe isn't something you get a new one of every time something changes yeah you know i'm i'm sure it had the ussr in there but i think a lot of other things were older because it was probably a globe you know from the 60s or something like that wow what was it like aesthetically this globe because some Mm. globes you know are a little bit more like they will have some sort of a little bit of ridges for uh, you know topography and it'd be a little bit more earthen colors and some are just like ussr is pink Mm. (laughs) america is you know kitchen 70s orange uh was it a colorful one or was it uh more earthy um it was more colorful and this is very much through my like filtered glasses of time uh, in terms of what I remember. <laughs> ah, the time uh, glasses of Rassilon know, where yeah. everything is fuzzy. Yes, exactly. But it um, it wasn't like the earthy tones because uh, the ocean was blue um, and I, and different countries had outlines and were different colors. But I feel like there were also some shadings on some of them of, you know, maybe like if there were dis- disputed boundaries or if. Some people thought they were in charge of countries that they weren't, but I. But it also did have some ridges for mountains, okay. so there was some relief to it. I don't think okay. it had a lot, but just a, a little bit. Like I remember that being fun too. Okay, when you were spinning the globe and landing somewhere on your finger, was there a real like uh, a game of I want to go to wherever my finger lands kind of thing? Um, I certainly played games with spinning it and pointing my finger. Not necessarily like, oh, I want to go there because, you know, I was It's usually the ocean. It's the ocean and most of <laughs> the places I had never heard of. So I didn't know if I wanted to go there. Right. But um, but it would be but I enjoyed it as a way to be like, oh, what's that place? OK, yeah. One other place that I think that sometimes people get a little bit of an attachment to maps or, or like a, a positive association is any kind of board game that uses like an actual uh, map. Mm. of any kind did you was that a thing at all did you play any board games that had maps to them um yeah so i i liked geography and because because i liked maps um and i'm trying to think of so we i don't remember actually what the board game looked like but there is a, a game that i had and it just left my geographical pursuit okay that <laughs> was put out by 
National Geographic, I'm pretty sure. And I don't remember the mechanics of it, but I loved playing that game. Um, Do you remember what the goal of geographical pursuit was? You were pursuing geography in some way? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of set up like Trivial Pursuit, but all of the questions were related to geography or countries or capitals or things like that. And it was probably, I mean, it was probably at the time in school when I was studying all of that. So I liked this because I knew the answers to a lot of it. And so it was a game I could do well. And I, it was my aunt and uncle's game. And so when we visited them, I always wanted to play it. Um, and I don't know if I was, I might've been a little annoying about how much I wanted to play it. Yeah. Because like, ask me now what some of these questions are. And I would be like, I have no idea. This is really interesting because I am having a memory flash from our early uh, uh, dating partner friends time uh, when you showed me a game on our, I was going to say on our phones, but we didn't have phones yet. <laughs> Not uh, <laughs> digital phones, uh, just the flip phones, um, which are digital. Anyway, uh, you showed me a game that was like a drag the state game. Yeah, it was a drag the country game. <laughs> drag the country. Drag the country. <laughs> la, 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 Stupid la. country. <laughs> um, so, yeah, remind me how it functioned. Yeah, so that was a game that, um, you know, back when games were on websites, which I know they still are, but um, pre-app. So you would go and you could, you could do, I think, um, I think it was divided by continent. Um, and you could also do the United States to do like the States. Um, and it had different versions where you could, it would tell you like the name of the country and then you have to choose like which location is this country and you know, like, can you find where Hungary goes? Yeah. Um, with the outlines of the countries. And then there was an also a version where you had to try to drag it without the outlines. Oh yeah. I did that one for the U S and like some things like, yeah, I can drag California to where it goes. I can drag Minnesota, but like, yeah, other States and then like, with no lines, where yeah. exactly does this go? No. Yeah. Missouri, how exactly do you fit in the center? How I have no Missouri rivers. Go? Yeah, without <laughs> rivers. Uh, yeah, so obviously that love of geography and maps that has a sort of um, a, a almost a, a, a education bent to it. Is there a part of your love of maps of n- wanting to know the world like wanting to memorize the world um i i don't think i think i was gonna say no but i would say yes and no um i think that i it's something that i'm interested in and it's a thing that you could learn more about and i just kind of have always felt like well that is like that is a good thing to know more about so why not know more about it like i'm never gonna claim to be an expert and it was never like ooh. I am going to make sure that I can drop all of the countries in the world into their places without <laughs> having any directional lines. Like that was never my I goal. I will drag the world. <laughs> exactly. Dragging, dragging. Um, but at the same time, I found it really interesting and useful to the way my brain works to learn about other countries and think about like how different countries are related to each other and, um, in in college, I think I've mentioned this on the um, podcast and other contexts before, I had the opportunity to go to uh, South Africa. And my mom obviously knew me and knew that I liked maps. <laughs> and uh, so she gave me before that a big all wooden 
map of where each African country was in a was a different like wood block. Okay. Except it was like it was it was a wood block puzzle that my mom gave me in college. <laughs> <laughs> and you were in college. And I was in college. Uh, but it was beautiful and it was yeah. it was really cool. And then, you know, like a year later I mean, many of the countries kind of changed their borders and things, but but I still have it, and it's it's a beautiful map, and I I love it both for the aesthetics and also for the um op- the opportunity to learn something. Yeah, yeah, and obviously knowing the way different things interact with one another uh, helps us understand them because nothing is in isolation, right? So, mm-hmm. and that I think really pertains to a map of understanding, you know the what what's near a river what's the which nations did you not realize are close to one another and then how does that you know affect uh, the the story of one place knowing its place among other places Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense to me um do you enjoy actively using maps as like a problem solving device like it's one thing you describe something very romantic from when you were a kid and you know you didn't have the responsibility of uh, worrying about where you're going, staying on the road, uh, you know, are we going to stop at a motel or tonight and all, all those kind of things. Uh, and just sort of like the fun romance of I see a weird dot or a weird word on the map and I'm going to look out the window and pass it. Like the romance of maps totally makes sense. But just the like, I literally don't know how I'm getting to this place and what street to take. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy just the real functional use of maps? Yes and no. Um, in in some ways, like if I'm walking somewhere and need to look it up and just like can write down my steps or it's few enough steps that I can memorize it. Yeah, I enjoy that. It's a good way to be like, oh, how can I get from here to here? Or I always go the same way. Is there another way that I could go? Um, but for driving, it's another, there's just a whole other added layer because, you know, there's traffic there may or may not be street signs. They may or may not be pointed in the direction that you can see them. <laughs> there may or may not be somebody who's really upset behind you and on your tail. And so if you need to go fl- slow for a second, you know, we've all been that person behind the person who doesn't know what they're doing, too. So I, I both get it. But also, like, there's another layer of stress with um, with driving. And I'll be totally honest, for especially for driving, um, there's a layer of laziness that I think we've all gotten, but I don't know, I will speak for myself, that I know I've gotten um, with the existence of things like Google Maps and, and being able to say like, well, here's where I'm starting and here's where I'm going. So I don't need to go through and figure out like, oh, I have picked all of the streets that don't have stoplights, uh, you know, and things like that. Or I didn't realize that this street dead ended and is under construction and what should have been a half hour drive is now three hours um, because we can put i i don't tend to use the like directional things as you're driving yeah um but i do often look, just look things up before i go yeah so i've gotten lazy with my driving map skills but you still actually use map skills cuz like you said we don't have anything in our car the the voice that kindly tells mm-hmm. you in 20 feet turn left all that kind of thing right um so i have seen you actively look things up uh on maps mm-hmm. to determine the best way uh, to go i have also seen you feel like uh, hmm. What's the best way to say it? That you become the map. That you have looked it up and you know the gist. <laughs> How does that uh that desire to to say like I've looked at the map, I know generally where it is, I've been there before, I will figure out the exact details. How does that instinct of that being a way to navigate 
interact with your love of maps? Is it, I'm, I was kind of joking about becoming the map, but is that what it's about that you like, that you enjoy using the map as a tool, but then kind of feeling a mastery over it? Um, no, I think it's more laziness about memorizing. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Fair enough. Okay, this is a, we'll, I'll do it on the day vibe or like, I've rehearsed this enough. I know that he get vaguely there and then there's a couple left turns, but I'll know it when I see it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Close enough. 99.9% of the time you do and you, you have a great sense of direction. That's very kind. I would say 90% of the time. Okay. Because you've certainly been there when I have not gotten things right. Yes. The, the, yes. I remember like literally one or two times in our many years together where it was like, no, I looked it up and, you know, I've been there before and I'll, I'll recognize those last couple of turns. And then <laughs> and then there's been a little bit of creativity to, to find those last couple of turns. Yeah. Uh, okay. But that feels to you more about you don't want to spend a bunch of time doing the sort of the fiddly work of using a map as a tool. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, do you like digital maps? Like, I totally understand, you know, like just using Apple Maps, uh, Google Maps, like uh, to plot a kind of mundane driving course or a stressful driving course or having to pull over and look something up. I understand that's stressful. But do you find them aesthetically pleasing? Like when you look at a map and I've seen you look at maps, I can see that spark of joy and, and you know, uh, almost just uh, uh, aesthetic excitement mm-hmm. <laughs> at a map on a wall. <laughs> Uh, do you feel that though, when you look at a phone or a tablet and it's a digital map? I mean, honestly, it depends on what I'm looking up. If I'm just looking up how bad is traffic today? No, I do not feel any aesthetic (laughs) enjoyment. Um, but if I look at those red lines, oh, (laughs) those lines are going beyond red, a new color, maroon. It's the maroon of death. Exactly. Uh, but if it's looking at a map, on a computer on a phone just to kind of be like oh where exactly is that from here oh how does that connect or um i i do enjoy looking at google earth um because that you know takes a combination of satellite images and also some um you know drawing on the computer things lines some some ai you know it's like it's some of it is artificially created and some of it is um, actually from photography it's not 100% photography um, but but I do enjoy that but again that to me is more the sense of adventure and discovery you know like if we'll if we watch a movie that takes place someplace we haven't been and I'll often want to look it up on the map to see kind of where it is or what's around it or what's the terrain like right um, so that's more like the map giving you access to the romance of the place but yeah. you're not finding actual like romance and thrill from just like a map. Um, but I think I still do from maps. It depends. It depends on what the goal of looking at the map online okay. is. Okay, so it has to be something for something fun. Uh, yeah, fun or just. I mean, honestly, I have. I don't do it very often, but I can easily just start scrolling through maps on my phone and could lose an hour without noticing. Okay, yeah. Okay, because you're looking at places and ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let me ask about the aesthetic of it. Like, mm-hmm. at different places we've lived, you've just put maps on the wall, mm-hmm. as uh, not as a resource, as something aesthetic. Yeah. And you have uh, have seen you see, you know, on television or, or when we're out eating places, like a framed map, and you're like, oh, that's so great. Uh, you know, would you ever want a framed picture of Google Maps? 
just aesthetically on your wall to celebrate maps? Um, no. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> Unless it was something really interesting about, like, unless there was a reason for that. If it's just like the, um, like the traffic view or whatever, where it's not even the satellite version. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a bunch of, and it's of a city and it's just a bunch of grids, but yeah. you don't get any of the fun details. Yeah. No. Sounds, this is one of those generational things where it sounds hideous to me now uh-huh. and it probably always will, but I think technology will change 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, that the iteration of like just basic Google or Apple Maps that we're used to, that's just like a boring, frustrating, functional thing will be nostalgia for those old times, that early digital age when they used these clumsy, dumb maps that mm-hmm. will be a thrill to somebody. Well, there you go. We're going to go print out some uh, <laughs> Google Maps along with some MapQuest. Yeah, I'm just mm-hmm. fascinated by that, how how quickly our relationship with technology changes. Absolutely. Um, one story about maps, if I may, and just kind of how... <laughs> you mean on our podcast about maps? No. no. So when I was um, in graduate school in London... Um, I had a Palm Pilot because that's what people had then. Yeah. And and now they hang on walls. Yes. <laughs> as ours should. Um, and I had downloaded maps for for London so that I could get around because um, you had to download it and pay for it and, you know, all of that. And it was giant because it was London. But there also were those um, books called London A to Z, which was just a map going through the whole city. Yeah. And I had it, but I had that like, oh, I... Like, this isn't a thing to stand on the corner with because then you'll be identified as a tourist or you'll be, you know, like a target. Uh, But then after I had lived there for a little bit, I realized, oh, no, London is big. Nobody knows every place that they're going. And everybody is standing on the corner with those all the time. (laughs) It actually kind of is a signal that you do live there (laughs) because you're you're standing there and you're just like, okay, how do I get to this friend's house and where? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Here we go. So um so that was a really interesting kind of you know, like now we wouldn't ever think about standing and looking at our phone. Um and it I didn't have the same with my palm pilot because you couldn't tell, but I did often stand there on the corner with a book. And that's just one of those things like today that would be such a concept that we just don't do. Right. That would be like, is somebody filming some retro thing? Is that an episode <laughs> of Doctor Who set in the nineties? Yeah. Yeah. Or are they, um, are, is the person doing that somebody who's visiting from another country and they don't have internet access here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I remember visiting you before I went to uh, live with you for several months in London. And I wanted to go to, uh, I believe, a toy store, a comic book shop and a toy store. And it was literally, I looked at the map and it's like, it's a straight shot down this one street, not understanding that that street changed name, like, 57 times <laughs> and curved in sneaky ways with, and I was I got so lost in London and I did not have the A to Z book on me and I wish that I had mm-hmm. I wish that I had but I figured it out I did it on the day I got home I'm not still you lost did. in London no nope. it took a little time and a little bit of swearing under my breath but it all worked out um what does make a physical map like really aesthetically pleasing to you what makes you go wow that's a great map oh um, to me, it's a combination of the what it is, and also the if there's some design aesthetic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a I'm a history buff. I don't know if you knew that. I do. Uh, and so there's certainly like 
you've often I often see because I look at maps you know like like you're talking about like framed photos of old maps of London or Paris or places um you know bigger cities New York um when they weren't as built up and they're kind of done in a way that they I because at that point probably not everybody had maps so you know there weren't that many of them and so now they are a thing that's beautiful that you put up on the wall yeah um but also I've seen maps that are specifically designed like with a specific aesthetic um i'm trying to think of a good example i mean honestly this is maybe not the best example but like the tube map which is Mm. a different type of map but has a very specific aesthetic but where you have some an idea that you're overlaying onto a map like the the london underground like the london underground or um i just saw this so this is on my mind um this is also why i was thinking about google earth but a a person that I know had overlaid on Google Earth a map of where the ships that had been that were sunk in what is now part of um, downtown San Francisco, mm. but when the waterfront was further back, but then they shunk, sunk ships to kind of build up um, the buildable land. So they did an overlay of where the um, of the sunken ships. And so like that to me is a beautiful map because you've got these kind of two contrasting ideas of these tall skyscrapers and these old ships that have been sunk. Wow. Yeah. No, that's insanely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's so many different things to me that can be beautiful. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Uh, So it is it's about place if you have a relationship to it. But it is also a little bit about the design concept. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, what what makes a map bad? Uh, do you have a least favorite map? Or when you think of like, <laughs> I love maps, but oh, not that kind. Oh, gosh, that's a great question. I feel like there are maps that I just feel like, mm, no, not so much. But I don't know what it is. This is a kind of a funny example. And it's, you know, they have those big driving books of maps. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're going cross country or something and you need multiple states um, all in one book. Yeah. And there's some of those that I find visually appealing and some that I don't as much. Like they're like, "Mm, take it or leave it. And others that are like, oh, yeah. But I don't know exactly what the difference is. (laughs) Yeah. Spend more time thinking about this one, looking into it. Well, I think there is something about that of there's there is design aesthetic, obviously, to maps. And some of them are, I think, things that ended up beautiful, you know, because just they might have been intended functionally, but they're beautiful. Like, you know, you see sometimes people just have like plans, like actual plans of like the sewer system. And like, that's a beautifully, it's functional, but it's mm-hmm. beautifully rendered. And there's something about it that marks it uh, as uh, this moment in time, but it has an aesthetic beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, the things like, yeah, the, the two different images overlapping that just show you, like you're talking about with San Francisco of like, here is history. You know, the the future in the present is built on the past and we can literally see it on this map. Um, and I think or, or like the the London Underground is such a great story of that is a, you know, a, a triumph of design. Right. To mm-hmm. how can we express this so it is usable? And then we also kind of created a brand with the colors and the way it looks <laughs> and the shape. And it's it's merch now. You can buy underwear with that map on it which i have um but then there's there's maps that are just functional that sometimes are kind of beautiful and sometimes to me it's just like yeah it's just a map Mm -hmm. like in like i don't like 
super colorful maps. I don't know why I have a bias against colorful maps. If like um if the colors don't have a purpose or No, what even do you mean? if they do, like if it is let's say, um like I could imagine some beautiful maps of say uh Minneapolis St. Paul, right? Mm-hmm. A place that means a lot to us, right? But I can also imagine maps are just like the counties around the whole metro area are broken up by big lines and they're different, you know, pastel colors. Mm-hmm. And it's just aesthetically not pleasing to me as a design. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess I have a more negative map obsessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I cover all of our walls with masks, maps, we'll talk. <laughs> Some strong map opinions. That's very, very good. Um what is the power or importance of you to seeing how one place connects to another? Uh, I rambled a little bit about it, but for you, what is, what's the importance of knowing that this place connects to this place next to it? Mm. I mean, I both enjoy it when I think about it. And also that isn't, that isn't always what I'm thinking about with the map. Like sometimes it's just like, oh, geographically, how do these places connect together? And then other times I'll be like, oh, I'm going to follow this river and see where the river goes. And, you know, so it's the connection of places kind of depends on, I think, what mood I'm in. Okay. So when you look at a map for not functional purposes, but mm-hmm. with your your history hat on mm-hmm. and you're, you're looking at... Like you get excited by something watched on television because it talks about a river and then you want to know everywhere that river goes mm-hmm. and everywhere it touches. What What is that instinct? Why do you want to know where else the river goes? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's it's less about wanting to know everything. Um, that is very rarely my the impetus for me, but it's more about kind of, ooh, what's that? What's that experience? Okay. Uh, they like, oh, I want to open, you know, look at where that river is and then just kind of see what's by it. And sometimes I'll follow it to where it ends and sometimes I'll get distracted along the way because, oh, there's a mountain over there and <laughs> look at the elevation here and look at that interesting place name I don't know how to pronounce. And um, Okay. So I think it's more about kind of kind of maybe trying to take in this the spirit of someplace or trying to take in the atmosphere from a two-dimensional object. Yeah. Okay. So this goes back to what you initially a- answered when I asked at the top what your what you, the main source of your obsession obsession is, and it is a little bit of that adventure. Yeah. That sense of exploration of if I wandered down that river, what would I see? What would I experience? It's mm-hmm. a little bit more about you putting yourself in that place of adventure rather than having a sort of socio political geographical history hat on. Um. I would say it's about wandering, but not necessarily with the eye hat. Like, it's kind of like, oh, what are... <laughs> so many hats. <laughs> and, I mean, I... Because I, it's not necessarily... Um, sometimes it is like, oh, I want to go there. But it isn't necessarily like, what would my experience be there? It's more like, what are their experiences there? Okay. And, you know, or... And it, I mean, it absolutely sometimes is more from like the the historical perspective, the transportation perspective of like, okay, you know... Obviously, you know, cities used to be along rivers, but then as transportation changed, where cities were located changed a little bit. So what's the reason for this big city here and some of that? Or if I'm looking at countries that I don't know a lot about, like, okay, this really big city seems really far away from anything else. So why and what would that be like? And, you know, kind of trying to take in the idea 
idea, but not necessarily with a what would my experience there be? Interesting. Yeah, that's great because that's a kind of a a place of curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that makes total sense that it isn't like you are trying to master the map and have all knowledge. It's more that sense of like, well, if this, why is this very old city not anywhere near a body of water? What else was there mm-hmm. that has that sense of uh, exactly what you're saying? Adventure and curiosity, but not necessarily. I'm going to go there and I'm going to ask the people and I'm going to find out why why the city is here. It's very interesting because I was thinking back on the previous episode I did and I think other conversations I've had with people about this, I think maybe other people I've talked to about map obsessions come from a little bit more of almost a gaming perspective, Mm. which means you are seeing a map as where are the resources? Mm -hmm. What, what What advantages or disadvantages do people have by living here you know is being close to this other place uh does that mean they're always threatened by it or does that mean they always have a strong ally Mm -hmm. and you that's not the way you perceive things at all in that sort of almost gamified way of looking at place it's really not or if it is it's very much from a trying to now peel back the layers of how we look at a place now to look back at what its history might be yeah um, but very much more from that side of things. Okay. And I will, and this might be something that you're getting to in a, in a bit, but one of the other um, ways that maps first really intrigued me were maps in um, in books. Oh, that is literally my next question. So <laughs> go for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of the idea of, of books that were written in, you know, kind of uh, fantasy books or books that took place in a different country or a different you know, world building that would have a map in them. Like how fun is that, that you open up the inside cover and there's a map there and you get to look at it and think about what stories you might get to discover and ooh, are they going to cross the ocean? And, or maybe it's a map of an island, you know, and I absolutely loved that sense of adventure. So I think that's also part of it for me is it, it, it brings back that feeling of, Ooh, what's what's the fun adventure? What's what's inside the pages of these this book? What's inside the pages of this map? Yeah. Um, one book that I'm sure there's many other versions of now that I remember looking at, um, probably middle school at the library. I was probably a, I don't know if I could check it out. Probably a reference book because I don't remember checking it out. That was um, it was like an encyclopedia of maps of fantastical places. Mm. And I remember paging through it if, you know, I was at the library waiting for, you know, my mom to pick me up or something and just thinking like all these different maps that, you know, talk about different design aesthetics and some were just of, you know, like uh, Tolkien or something and others were of things I'd never heard of. And maybe they had monsters on the edge of the page, and, oh, yeah. you know, like all of these different types of um maps and different ways that things could be represented within kind of the concept of map and looking at that book has just kind of always stayed in my imagination yeah absolutely that's totally understandable because that's not just like the standard map at the beginning of a fantasy book where they're going to go on a journey and you can follow along like tolkien or i believe the shannara books that i read in junior high had those and many many fantasy books obviously have those so that's one experience to be like how cool that this to see the world building right away to see where our, our uh, heroes are going to travel from where they all the different spots in the map they come from that's one experience to then go into that story 
But the experience you're talking about of like, here are maps to worlds I haven't read, maybe will never read, mm-hmm. maybe will never find or know. That's yeah. really, that's like, that book is just a, yeah, portal into imagination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is really good. Um, do you, did you read those kind of fantasy books where you remember specifically having that relationship to the map in the front of a fantasy book? I actually didn't read that many. And so that's why I'm having a hard time coming up with um, examples of ones that I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I did. I'm sure you did because yeah. it's a very standard feature yeah. of many kinds of books. And I have strong memories of looking at the maps, but I, I, um, yeah, I don't have, but at the same time, it's not like, oh yeah, well this and this and this and this. Yeah. But it's a, but it's something that I enjoy. I mean, I just recently finished, um, there's a, a series, three book series, a trilogy, <laughs> as it's called, um, called the Storyteller Trilogy, which takes place in another, you know, world. And and it was really fun kind of getting back to that spirit of looking at the map and, oh, how much of this do you look at at first and kind of trying to find the place names. And then by the third book, like, oh, you actually do see how all the different pieces inter- interconnect. Yeah. Okay. So that's very cool. Yeah. Um, do you think if I showed you a map of the Star Wars galaxy, would you be intrigued by that? Um, yeah, but that seems so big. It is big because the yeah. galaxy is big. And you always, there, there are various Star Wars, uh, 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 map books that you can get, uh, but it's in some of the visual guides and that as, as new planets and places are added to the stories. But I, that's an example for me that I love because it's so a part of the storytelling. One, it just invites you into the reality because you can say like, oh, okay, if I wanted to travel from this planet that's from the original trilogy to this planet that's in the prequels to this planet that's only mentioned in the animated show Rebels, like how would I be crisscrossing the galaxy? So it gets into that really real world thing, you mm-hmm. know, of uh, if you'd never been to America, you're like, well, I want to go to uh, New York, then Texas, then Montana. Okay, well, how would that, what would you, how would you actually <laughs> be traversing and what else would you experience? Yeah. So there's that part of it. And then the world building that I'm often interested in, I think is a little bit more of that, um, the how does place uh, add up to identity or what what part of i of uh, of identity is built off of place mm-hmm. and star wars has this great story that they're really expanding on a lot lately of it's been around for a long time but some stories are really focusing on it of the uh the core of the galaxy is where things are really well established and really well known and a lot of the wealthier planets are there and then there's the you know the the inner rim and the outer rim the outer rims where everything's like is barely connected to the rest of the galaxy but then there's this you know so it it starts to really connect meaning mm-hmm. and you know of if you were born on a certain planet you might have a really different perspective because of not just the you know reality of the map of your planet but its relationship to everything else in the galactic map mm-hmm. and that stuff's really fascinating to me yeah no i love that awesome yeah um so do, does your interest in maps when you're talking fictional does it like extend to a map of like a house because like you can find like murder mysteries that have like a map of the house so you can track who you know could the killer have been moving from here to here does it extend that far 
Um, yeah, probably. I guess I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I really like looking at floor plans too, <laughs> which are a type of map. Yeah, they are yeah. absolutely a type of map, yeah. right? Because then mm-hmm. you can have a, how could I venture upstairs? Right. And is it a big property? <laughs> like, what are the landscapes like? How do you get to the grotto in the backyard? How do you get to the grotto? That's a question I'm asking myself all the time when I look at maps. <laughs> how can I possibly get to the grotto? Um, a lot of people find maps thrilling in movies when you see the line of a protagonist's journey mm-hmm. literally drawn on the map, like Indiana Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones is obviously playing that from other places, and other films have done it, but that's one that often gets uh, pointed to of like, look, he went here, dash, 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 dash line to here. Do you find that thrilling? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got really excited. Uh, tell me about wh- why does it thrill you? Gosh, um, I, I think there's just if there's something about, I think I'll get to this. I'll, I'll get I'll get actual words out. I feel like within um, some a medium like a movie where you're getting to you're kind of going on this adventure with the characters and you're getting to watch it. That that idea of um, showing the map can show one of two things that can either show like they're going long distances so you're going to get to see ooh look at all this distance they're traveling and or it also can be like ooh you're going along with them yeah and you know it can be like is it a long distance is it that they're going hopscotching all over the place and you know kind of backtracking on themselves what is the map showing is it like a plane that's flying or is it an interesting map um you know there's there's so many different ways that it can be used both to enhance the story, but also to enhance the viewer's enjoyment of it and um, uh, bringing the viewer in. Yeah. I think it can be like literally educational if it's a real world map. Oh, yeah. And that a, too. You know, a way to bring people <laughs> in. They're like, oh, I want to learn more about the world. And I'll, I'll want to learn, like, what's the actual, you know, whatever happened in the movie, what is the truth of this place that these characters went to? Mm-hmm. I think there's also just something thrilling about it when, when you know, something is uh, is uh, globetrotting, right? And it's a story so big, that, you know, it's it flails all over the world. Yeah. <laughs> flails is maybe not the best copy for a movie. <laughs> this movie's going to flail everywhere. Uh, but that idea of, like, a story so expansive it travels the globe mm-hmm. you know i think there that does connect to the this primary uh feeling in your obsession of adventure right yeah of, um in in this idea of like not just going to these places to see them which we in real life do but like hopping from place to place on the whole globe in search of something in pursuit of something it's sort of it literalizes, I think, the feeling that we sometimes have when we look at maps. When, like, the truth is, like, you know, when when we maybe go hopping across uh, the world with a, a beautiful dashed line showing where we traveled, like, it, we went there to eat some stuff and take some photos. We're not on a daring adventure, but it mm-hmm. feels like a daring adventure. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Awesome. So we will have to watch some Indiana Jones movies to just enjoy the maps. Yeah. It's been a little while. Um do you like the idea of treasure maps? Did you ever find that really romantic of that idea that there could be that uh, maps could be this code to be broken to find find something of great value? Um, I don't I don't honestly remember if I had a strong um, affinity for that or not, but I I do as an adult like the idea of that. Like that's kind of fun. Um, and yeah, and I I mean so this is kind of a 
relate a bit different. I didn't read Treasure Island until I was an adult, which right. does, you know, there is a map <laughs> that is associated with that. And I really enjoyed the map aspect of that as well. Um, not entirely about the different from the treasure, but yeah, I I don't have a strong memory of that from growing up, but I I would be happy to draw maps that lead to a treasure. <laughs> okay, so you send, don't have... I'll send you on an adventure. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, let me ask you this. If somebody said... Without any definition of what treasure was, like, uh-huh. here is a map of Los Angeles where you currently live. Show me where a treasure is. <laughs> where would you direct the person? Oh, wow. Um, gosh, it would depend on who the person was. That's like, very what? thoughtful of you. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask if I would take a treasure map from somebody else. And I was going to say it totally depends on... <laughs> who the person is because I feel like to some people maps are like, this is the way to challenge you and really frustrate you. Right. And that's, um, that's a different thing. And there are some days where I might want that challenge, but there are a lot of days when I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, so I would want to kind of have a gauge on if, if fun to them is seeing me get frustrated, then <laughs> then some days I would participate and other days not so much. Yeah. I guess uh, part of what I'm what I'm uh, fishing for is is if you find romance in these sort of X marks the spot. Like if somebody told you, I really love uh, atmosphere and good cocktails. Can you sh- you know send me on a a treasure hunt? Mm-hmm. And you got to you know without telling them what it is you know X marks the spot. Yeah. Is that is that thrilling to you or is that that's just not the way you perceive maps? It's not really the way I perceive maps. Um, it would be fun, especially if I had better drawing skills, because here's the thing is I'm, I'm not a, a very talented drawer and, um, I would love to be able to like be a cartographer on the side who just makes cool maps for fun. And that is just not in my skill set. I realize that there are computers and people can learn programs and all of that. So I acknowledge that, but, um, I think that's part of it too, is I would I have ideas in my mind of what I want things to look like, but I don't necessarily have the skills to execute them. Okay. So it would depend on that also. Okay. If I found a way to make it be fun and not frustrating. Okay. I think it's very kind that you don't want to draw somebody a frustrating map of Los Angeles because (laughs) there are plenty of those that exist. There are. Uh, If you could have a map of anything, it doesn't even have to be of a place. It could be of a concept. What do you want a map of? nuance (laughs) would the map of nuance be different every time (laughs) uh no but it'd be very complicated and i don't know that that's actually one i just hadn't gotten to say nuance yet today yeah and send your buzzword of the podcast podcast the podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah because if you think about like a map of the anatomy of a tree also another thing i talk about a lot like anatomy charts in a way are also kind of like maps and i also love staring at you know things like that so yeah okay so either nuance or a tree you would like a (laughs) a map of the inner workings of either of those things sure (laughs) if you have another thought no i don't i don't have a good one off the top of my head yeah Um, yeah do you like the idea i i guess i mean the the digital maps that we all have now are sort of living maps that can change very very quickly Mm mm-hmm but do you like the idea of, would you like some sort of like, uh, like living globe? Like, 
Yes. That could shift as things change. <laughs> Sorry, I just yelled. Uh, yes, absolutely. I was just looking at this. I didn't realize. Um, so if you go to uh, Google Maps Street View, you can go through the different versions that they have if they have multiple versions, which I didn't realize was a thing you could do. Wow. And there's also, um, I think it's the USGS website. You can go to a place and see what maps they have digitized and overlay them and it'll fade between different maps. And that is, to me, like no end of fun. Right, because this is, we're talking about your the intersection of maps and history in exactly the kind of map you're talking about with San Francisco with the ships on the bottom, skyscrapers on the top, you get to see that progression of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I can see the attraction there. Uh, does it give you joy when you know a place well enough that you are the map that you know how to get there. That is not like, because when we were talking before, it, it was about like places we've maybe been once or twice or you kind of got the gist of or whatever. But, you know, those those times where there's maybe honestly a little bit of a convoluted route mm-hmm. and you just don't need the map because you know it because you are the map. Do you mm-hmm. get joy from that? I do. Uh, I never thought about that in terms of how it relates to maps. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that sense of like, okay, I'm going to go this way. Oh no, I'm going to just take the back roads and I don't need to look it up. I know how to do that. Um, to me, I think that's a little bit more about comfort with place than it is about like feeling like I am the map. Yeah. But there is a little bit of that because I feel like I, I know the roads or I have the map in my head well enough that I don't need to look it up. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few how obsessed are you questions. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you think about maps every day? No. Okay. Why, uh, Why? when you have a day where you're not thinking about maps, why not? Is it because you're not going somewhere because you didn't happen to uh, go on a map deep dive on your phone? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, if, if checking traffic counts, I mean, I do look at maps many days in the non-pandemic era. Um but I don't, I would say I think about maps when I think about the, it comes and goes in terms of how much I'm thinking about them just as like a concept or for fun. Like there'll be times where I'm just distracted by other things, but then there'll be times where I just really like would happily go looking at maps for a while. Yeah. Excellent. Um, if we had a home with multiple rooms, would you want one of them to be the map room? I'd love it. <laughs> yeah. What would that look like? What would that be like? Ooh, I mean, that's so hard because it could be so many things because do you have like specific maps on the walls and are they current maps? Are they old maps? Are they because as as much as I gave you kind of a facetious answer earlier, I mean, I do I do really like a lot of old, beautiful maps. Yeah. Um, And it's a thing that I have um, have had up on my walls before and don't right now, but I've thought about doing both, you know, here and also other places um <laughs> this is the do we do we have another home you're not telling me about <laughs> are you just gonna be, <laughs> you're gonna become a, the uh the cat map burglar where you break in and put a map on somebody else's wall i was thinking about putting up some floor plans in my office That's, okay there we uh, go what i mean <laughs> came out really i'm gonna weird. put this up in my home and also other places <laughs> i'm just gonna decorate the inside of our car with maps yeah i is, see nothing wrong with that i see nothing wrong with that um yeah so that would be really fun um and what if you had like a projector so one wall could be 
blank or you could bring down a screen and so you could project different things on that yeah. and maybe even a way to do like 3d things on it and you'd need at least one globe oh yeah like you know we always need to be able to play spin the globe um and then like if you're going to go deep dive like do you have like the sliding drawers that come in and out with um like wall things you know like they have yeah. in museums for st- storing artwork um i mean it, I mean, how yeah. crazy are we going to go? <laughs> it, it, you can go and have as much fun with the imaginary map room as you want. The other thing, so you're saying a bunch of things like, yeah, the screen on the projector, <laughs> uh, definitely the racks, the racko maps you can pull out. Uh-huh. That's great. It gives it a great library feel. I'm also thinking of, I believe, the cartography room scene in Star Trek uh, Generations. Mm-hmm. where it's a room in the Enterprise where uh, they figure out some galactic map stuff. It's Picard and Data. Would you want a room like that where you can, it's kind of, it's not like a holodeck, but you go in and then all around the walls is just one big giant map. Like, and it doesn't always have to be there. You can change it. Like it's, you can suddenly be standing in the middle of a map. Yeah. I will admit, I don't remember that scene off the top of my head from Generations, but I would love that for maps. Um because of my work, I would love that with floor plans. <laughs> um, I would love that for R2 to come, you know, shine the map of the oh, Star Wars yeah. galaxy uh, that I can just walk into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the main thing I need in my map room is R2. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Show me the Death Star plans. Show me where we're going to invade the Naboo Palace. All that stuff. It'll be great. Um, would you ever want to meet a sentient talking map? Ooh. Uh, my instinct is no uh, yeah no i can i can see and feel that instinct (laughs) but i don't want to prejudge we don't know what things are coming our way uh so maybe maybe it will be a kind uh nice non-annoying sentient map okay i guess maybe kind of directions in your car in a way are a talking map yes which i don't use (laughs) Okay, and is now why don't you use them? That's a good thing uh, to talk about. Is it because you you want to experience and interpret the map? You want to make your active choices while driving, not have you know a random voice tell you to? It, it's a variety of reasons. It's everything from kind of our car setup to uh, you know most places that I drive. Either I know where I'm going or we're going together, so one or the other of us can navigate. To um, not always wanting to put things uh, exactly where I'm going all the time into the various uh, services. So, okay, you know, great. I know You're... they're all tracking me everywhere anyway, but I like to pretend I have control. But I like the picture that uh, some uh, shady organization would get a hold of the phone and the, the phone would report exactly where you had been in that tedious like, and then she went 20 feet and then she turned <laughs> left. <laughs> right right yeah sarah went to Descanso gardens again <laughs> she did not stop at radio shack what yeah. okay that said so i got a chance to um to watch a presentation about different uses of maps for different purposes and one of the people was showing you know the dropping pins for different places that you go and and it's like they have all these apps for like oh map my run or map my bike ride and they do make some pretty cool maps you know, when you can, when you do like drop the pins of the different places that you're going. So there, there is, you know, aesthetic benefit to it as well. Okay. So you might start dropping some pins. We'll see. Okay. Fair enough. Would you wear a dress made out of maps? Ooh, like paper maps? It could be printed cloth. 
Um, that would I probably mean, be a little more functional. Printed cloth, yes, and I feel like I have. In fact, paper ones, I feel like I probably have at some point. I had friends for <laughs> that. I, I mean, I, they're still friends, but who were making um, clothing for fashion shows out of various paper things. And I'm sure one of them had to be a map. At some right. Point. And you did some modeling and I, for that. Yeah. And, or, and dancing and things like that, wearing the clothes. So, so you probably did wear a map. I, I'm, I'm sure I did. If not, I will make one. Yeah, this is so great. I got to add this into my rotation of how obsessed are you questions of if it's not a thing to be worn, would you wear it? <laughs> totally. And I feel like just to combine last week and this week, I feel like if I, I don't think I had them because I would remember, but to have like a pair of shoes that are actually maps, like canvas shoes where the, the top is actually maps. Yeah. I'm going to go find those after this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And this is this is a silly thing that it took me so long to remember. Uh, one of the board games that you and I enjoy playing. Uh, it, it, why am I spacing the name of it? The British the Rails. British Rails. That is, it's a very light, gentle game where you just lightly compete to, you know, pick up different uh, things that are made in different uh, cities and you bring them to other cities for money, mm-hmm. for profit. Uh, but that's so map-based because it's not only are you traversing the map, you are you know, literally drawing your train lines. Mm-hmm. So you are choosing where you go. And there is a it, sort of, for me, that implied part of the power of maps to me of, you know, what resources does the place have mm-hmm. is that's what it, that game is all about. Basically trading resources of these people don't have cows, but they want beer mm-hmm. <laughs> and vice versa to the point we've played that game enough where sometimes when a town name comes up, it will just come into my head of like, they have textiles mm-hmm. <laughs> from that game. Mm-hmm. So is, right. do, you, do you think that, that, that kind of getting, just getting to spend quality time with the map, is that one of the reasons that you like that game so much? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't I hadn't thought about it um, in those terms, but probably. Yeah, it is just quality time with the map. All right, here's my final how obsessed are you question. If a friendly bear asked you for help reading a map, but then did not listen to your instructions, how would you react? Mm. Um, you know, I would have to gauge the situation by does it seem like the bear is going its own way because it wants to or because it didn't understand like was it an error on my part in which case i would try to clarify but if the bear is just like doing my own thing that's fine then go your own way bear yeah okay so what if what if the bear what if the bear said show me the fastest way from point a to point b and Mm -hmm. you did and then the bear was like nah and like said this is the (laughs) fastest way I mean, that would be fine as long as the bear wasn't going to come back and attack me because it didn't agree with my way. <laughs> okay. You know, I've got a strong self-preservation instinct there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This bear question has morphed quite a bit now, too. It barely matters that it's a bear. I'll get back to the the actual essential uh, <laughs> strength of the bear because uh, this is just a bear standing in for a difficult human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the, I'll I'll try to help the bear, but I'm not going to get in an argument with the bear over a map. Right, but if the bear is like, put an X on the map where I can get honey, mm-hmm. you'd do that for the bear, right? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You're a decent human like that. <laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, can you make a noise to sum up your obsession with maps? Is that the map folding out? Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And can you rate your obsession on a scale of one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest? Yeah, I would say, um, so like I said, it goes up and down. So I would say when it is not something I'm actively thinking about, which is why it 
just kind of hadn't occurred to me as a topic to talk about, it's probably a five. But then when it peaks a little bit more or when I think about it like I am right now, how much I actually do just thoroughly enjoy thinking about maps and looking at maps and talking about maps, um, it gets pretty high. I'm I'm going to say like a an eight. Okay, yeah, because it, it is it's something that uh, really takes you in the moment, right? Like I've seen this when we've we're watching something and you look something up and you're like oh oh, and then you're just gone for a while. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so when the obsession strikes, it strikes hard. Yeah. Uh, anything else about uh, maps that you wanted to share? Or? Um. So may I share one of my other favorite maps that I do own? Absolutely. So I have a book that I found that was written um, about World War Two. During World War II. Wow. And so it has maps in it of, you know, where the battle lines were and things and the supply lines at that time. And I love it because it shows how much, you know, we often, at least I think in the era of paper, thought about maps as static, but they change all the time. And so to have that, that was like... That was the map was correct when it was published, but by the time it got into people's hands, it was probably horribly incorrect, especially since it was specifically about something like supply lines during the war. Yeah, that's just such a great reminder that maps are entirely tied to history, right? Mm-hmm. And that they are always living documents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really cool. Uh, we're going to move on to our plugs. So where can people find you? You can find me and maybe in the future some pictures of maps uh, on Instagram at Scrim Street. Excellent. And here are some quick plugs for the show. Before our final questions, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. I have a show coming up, an online show with the Double Clicks. We are doing a comedy, music, variety, scavenger hunt show on Valentine's Day. I'm going to be saying some comedy words. Double Clicks will be doing some great music and comedy. And then we have a bunch of uh, great couple guests who are going to be doing fun scavenger hunts in their homes because that's something that you can do only on an online show. Uh, So if you're interested in that, uh, info and tickets are on my website, josephscrimshaw.com. You can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, here are our final questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you could only eat one vegetable for the rest of your life, which vegetable would you pick? Mm, Beets. Beets. Wow. Are you just on a beet kick? I like beets, and I think I would get tired of them. It would take me longer to get tired of them than many other vegetables that I like. Okay, beets would last the longest. I think. Okay, fair enough. If you had the super strength to throw things into space, what kind of things would you hurl into space? Oh, wow. I mean, gosh, it'd be fun to just like be like, hey, bear, there's the honey. <laughs> but that would be mean because the bear, unless it's like the bear has a space suit, I don't want to hurt the bear. Um, if they're like, let's not throw bears into space. <laughs> Maybe they'd like it. That's true. Maybe they just want to go for a ride. That's right. Maybe they can breathe without air. Um, wow. Wow. Because there's also like, I don't want to pollute space. Right. See, this is this is how I thought you would respond. So I'm very curious. Yeah. Can I throw a um, something up into space that will eat all of the um, no longer used satellite detritus? 
Yeah, yeah, you can throw a satellite eater. Yeah, there we go. But only the ones that aren't working. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you... I don't want to be on NASA's, you know, blacklist. Yeah, so you will first develop a very, very high-end piece of technology that can sense and then devour no longer functioning satellite junk. Mm -hmm. And then with your super strength, you'll hurl it into space. Yeah. (laughs) That's a very nice proactive. I feel like if I ask, if I, if I remember this question and ask other people, it's going to be things like my car doesn't work anymore. (laughs) This entire kind of music I don't like, I'm going to throw into space. You were like, no, let me, let me clean up the space environment. Uh, That is to be expected. Uh, What is happiness? Mm. Happiness is taking a deep breath and letting it out. And then throwing it into space, I'll add. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Since we talked about you drawing a map for a bear, Mm -hmm. if any animal could draw a map for you, what animal would you have draw that map? So if I get to also watch the animal draw the map, um, I would like to see sloths draw a map. <laughs>